Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings of a Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined always by the great Stone Hansen, the wonderful Cooper Klein, and the next in our series of guests here talking about the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. He's a writer at SBN NBA, writes for Detroit Bad Boys about the Pistons, and of course, writes for Bright Side of the Sun uh, for the Phoenix Suns. And the Suns are in an interesting spot. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to dive in, and there's no one else we'd rather have on than the great Damon Allred. Allred, excuse me, I cannot talk today. Damon, my friend, how you doing? Wow, the great Damon Allred. What an intro. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Super excited to be on with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Damon and I have been uh, friends for a while. He's one of those guys who I love, I love to talk high school hoops with uh, because he covers AZ Compass Prep pretty closely. Love all his coverage down in that Arizona area. Uh, fellow Pac-12 fan as well. So excited to have him on. Before we get too into the Suns, Coopstone, my friends, how you guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk to Damon. The Suns are one of those teams that feel like uh, they almost some parallel the Lakers timeline and in, in sort of the different um options and possibilities that they're gonna have to and decisions they're gonna have to make uh this off season. So uh I'm you know interested to see what Damon has to say as far as which way this, they might go. Yeah, just got off of work. Uh my girlfriend made some Rocky Road cookies. So I'm enjoying that, you know, at the at the beginning of this uh podcast here. And I'm I'm scared to talk on this pod because there's two Pac-12 sickos in the call with us here today. And as as we all know, if you like Pac-12 basketball, you there's something wrong with you. But uh, had, had, glad to have Damon here and excited to hop into the Suns team. Pac-12 truthers, I say. Yeah, yeah. Like like is one word. Uh, I think obsessed would 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 describe us better. Um, but we're not here to talk Pac-12, not yet at least. That'll that'll come later next year. The Pac has actual like real prospects, so we'll probably have David back on to talk about the. Isaiah Colliers of the world. And, and let's talk about the Suns. Let's talk about the Suns. The Suns obviously had a really interesting year last year. Halfway through the year, the team is sold to Madish Bia. Um, there is then pretty sh- shortly after that, if I remember right, a huge KD trade where they get rid of basically everything for KD. Um, they have a solid first round performance and then struggle in the second round. Um and they're they're done and, and and it feels like they're kind of at this point where there's not a ton of certainty about what's going to happen going forward other than Katie and Booker on this team and they're they're the stars to build around. So Damon, how would you kind of describe last year's season and what do you think the organization's incentives are moving forward? Well, last season was kind of insane just because we went from starting the season with such high expectations of you know, coming off the the game seven embarrassment to Dallas in the second round a year ago and, you know, feeling like there'd be a better shot at a playoff run this year. And then um, just kind of having the troubles of some injury stuff and the Jay Crowder thing where Jay Crowder was just at home for the beginning of the season because he didn't want to come off the bench to Cam Johnson starting and, you know, the injury bug hit Devin Booker at one point in the season, I think from Christmas for another month or two, he was out. And then 
Um, during that time, it felt like the Suns might end up being a lottery team. I even did a, a Dariq Whitehead piece for Brightside during that period. And that's obviously nowhere close to possible now because the Ishbia came in and um, it was actually like the first day or two that he was officially the owner. He came in and talked to James Jones, the GM, and was like, I don't care if you have to give up Mikhail Bridges. We're going in for this trade because it's Kevin Durant, you know, like you do what you have to do to get Kevin Durant. And they did it and, you know, didn't end up working out as well as you'd like. You know, they only played seven or eight games in the regular season with everybody and um, didn't work out well in the playoffs. Monty Williams gets fired, whole bunch of stuff going on in terms of who's moving, who's staying, you know, who's going to come in next year because this team's pretty barren going forward. Yeah, I mean, it really felt like the thing that killed this team this year in the playoffs was one, a lack of depth and not just like, I think sometimes we think of depth as just like, do you have 10 guys who can play? But I think a lot of what's important about real functional depth in the NBA, especially in the playoffs, is having options. And this team just didn't have options. Like, Josh Okogie might have made sense in a certain series, but he didn't really work as a starter against the Nuggets. And that just, it just killed him in the end, just not having those options. And and on top of that, having the, um, you know, got the, your stars not playing well. I mean, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker obviously did great. Devin Booker was arguably the best player in the playoffs through those first two series uh, before he got hurt, at least. Uh, but DeAndre and Chris Paul just had some issues and, you know, taking a look at, at where the Suns are at, like money wise, um, Chris Paul has a, I think it's a weird, like 15 million is guaranteed. So no matter what he's getting paid 15 million, but you might as well just fully guarantee it because while he's not worth 30 million, he is worth at least 15 million. And because of that, like weird, you know, you'd have to pay him 15 million to go away. Basically, he's not really worth that. So he's probably on the team for 30 million. And then you have DeAndre making $32 million, And you're going to have trade options. You're going to have, you know, what, what have you. Damon, what do you think of the future with those two on the team? So first and foremost with Chris Paul, there's a date at the end of, I think, either July or maybe it's June. But there's a date where they have to decide whether to fully guarantee it or not. And there was a report recently that came out where they planned to guarantee it by that date. And he would be the starting point guard going into the season. But that could have also just been a play for some trade leverage ahead of the draft and potentially seeing where that can get them in the draft. Um, as far as Aiton, you know, that 32 and a half million and only increasing for the next few years, that's a tough spot for the Suns to be in if they already have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you know. And Aiton, I'd say, is almost assuredly not going to play another game for the Suns at this point just with how tumultuous last offseason was and into this into this season and the playoffs where a lot of people were giving him the benefit of the doubt. You know, we saw in that finals run that he played really well throughout that entire postseason, and it just hasn't come back ever since then to a consistent level. And so just growing on such inconsistencies in terms of effort and not playing to his full potential – all of it is just building up to where I think he's not going to play another game for the Suns. Yeah, that, that's how it feels. And we'll talk about trade options in a minute. But the other big domino that it feels like to fall 
is the coaching stuff. And, and obviously there's been conflicting reports, how far they are. My guess when all this, all these like kind of coaches on good teams were fired is, was just that we were going to see like these musical chairs, right? It would be Bud or Nurse or, or uh, Doc even to Phoenix and Monty to Milwaukee. Like it would just be these guys switching teams. It feels like there's maybe a little bit more intrigue there. Damon, what do you think of, of the Suns coaching search right now? So for a lot of the folks in Suns community, the the number one option has always been Ty Lu, but that's a troublesome situation because he's still under contract for another year with the Clippers. And, you know, Steve Ballmer is not an owner that you want to go into a bidding war against just because he's probably the richest owner out of all 30. And um, even despite some mutual interest that's been reported between Lou and the Suns, it looks like that that's not really the likely option anymore. And so a lot of us have shifted our focus to um, Nick Nurse, who has earned some praise from Durant in the past and, you know, had a lot of trouble connecting with Pascal Siakam down the stretch of their the tenure there. But he's shown at a really high level that he can be an elite tactician. And I think that Booker and Durant are the type of guys where, you know, relationships are one thing, but at the end of the day for them, it's mostly just about basketball. They're true basketball sickos. And so I think that they can connect with a guy like Nurse who's willing to, or who's shown in the past an ability to be successful with super high level star talent. And then behind that, there's a few assistants that are in the running as well Um, within the Suns already. Kevin Young, who was Monty's lead assistant, has been getting a lot of traction because he apparently is, from what I've heard, he's like the parallel opposite of Monty in terms of demeanor, where he's a little bit more high energy and a little bit more, um, I don't want to say confrontational, but he's not meek in the way that Monty was. He's not quiet. Monty's whole yeah. thing is like is like quiet riot stuff, right? It's like keep like calm and zen, and and, and he's more yeah. like forceful. I would say mm-hmm. he's gotten into it at times. There was a D League game where Kevin Young and Eric Musselman got into it, and um, Young and Bruce Brown got into it during the series against the Nuggets. But yeah, he's he seems to be a bl- a bit more fiery than. Uh, Monty and has a stamp of approval from Booker and lots of other players as well, Paul included. So he's uh, an option that's become really enticing for us. Plus there's um, Jordy Fernandez from the Kings who has been their associate head coach under Mike Brown. Um, Obviously a historically great offense there led by Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. Maybe bring some of that um, education that he got, you know, working with, a high-level big like Sabonis, adds it on to six years of working under Michael Malone, working with Nikola Jokic. Maybe that if the Suns are wanting to try again with DeAndre Ayton and see if maybe just a fresh face can help him a bit, um, maybe Jordy Fernandez is able to help Ayton a little bit from that standpoint. Yeah, and 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 it's always I I again we just talked with last yesterday's podcast was with Bryce Simon talking about the Pistons, another team looking for a coach and. The way he kind of put things uh, as someone who, you know, he played D1 ball, he played high-level ball, and uh, he's like, you just kind of never – it's hard to evaluate a coach until it happens. 
and I, I kind of feel the same way. Like there's so much that goes on with, you know, inside a huddle, inside a staff and the day to day with these guys that it's really hard to say. I mean, I heard a lot of very negative things about Darvin Ham, and I would say he did a hell of a job in the playoffs at the very least, you know, throughout the season, maybe there's questions and maybe he sours and it, you know, we tend to not think that coaches develop in the same way players do, but they can. And because they're in the game a lot longer, you know, they have time to do such things. So a lot of options there. Let's talk before we get into the draft. Well, this is, this will tie into the draft. Actually, it feels like this could be a potentially busy off season for James Jones and Maddish Bia in terms of trade stuff. We've already kind of mentioned DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul could find themselves on the move, potentially trading up to the draft is definitely possible. Damon, what are like just some trade options, trade ideas, trade possibilities that are kind of floating around in your head right now? Yeah, so there have been a couple that have already been reported, like the one involving the Blazers in the third pick, as well as the one involving the Mavs in their 10th pick. Um, Truthfully, I just don't see either of those as being all that realistic. I'm more inclined to look a bit down the board and see if the Suns can't get into like the higher end of the second round instead of 52 and see if they can find a diamond in the rough. Maybe someone like Brandon Podzimski falls a bit and they're able to pick him up at a good spot. But he's one of the one of the paramount guys in that range that I think would be a good Suns fit. Well, okay, yeah, let's let's just segue into that. Let's talk about some trade up fits. You know, probably if they were to trade up it would probably be you know, in that 25 to 40-ish range, I would say, uh looking at kind of teams in that area who could look to trade. I mean, the Blazers at 23, maybe that feels more realistic as like a Blazers trade option. Uh, you know, the you obviously don't want to help out teams that are like your direct competition too much, but I could definitely see like the Pacers at 26 and 29, just if they don't want to make three first round picks, just looking to maybe move back and, and pick up a future second and, and a Landry Shamit or something like that. Uh, you have, you know, in, in the top half of that, that uh, second round, the Celtics, the magic, there's always also like some weird shenanigans that can go on, right? You could, you see all the time, a team just, straight up pay money to go from 52 to 40 or something like that's that's just the thing they can do and let's talk about some names you stand out so you mentioned brandon podziemski that's absolutely would be like an a plus pick for me i just think that he is a potential you know i don't want to say like star but he like his level of craft his passing vision along with just absurd, absurd, absurd pull-up shot making really pops to me. Damon, are there some other names, some other guys who you would really be ecstatic if the Suns targeted? Yeah, and real quick on the Podziemski thing, um, it kind of reminds me of how Austin Reeves plays off of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Maybe Podziemski can play off of Booker and Durant the same type of way. Obviously, Reeves is really good for how early on in his career he is, but that's the thing that comes to mind for me. Um, A couple of the other guys that are on my mind are Amari Bailey from UCLA and Julian Strother from Gonzaga are the two that come to my mind first, just because Amari Bailey has shown such um, an ability to create off the bounce for himself and others. And I think he really played well at the combine. Some of the processing was just a lot better than what it looked like at UCLA. And so maybe in a more NBA style game, as opposed to, you know, how Mick Cronin can be, you know, just a little bit limiting on his players. 
Um, so I think that that would be a good fit as well as Strother is just like your prototypical three and D wing that can just slot in there to really any lineup that the Suns run out there. I'm going to talk about, you know, my guy got to bring up Colbert Jones. Uh, you know, I think basically any team that's looking to like just play solid basketball, you have a guy who can hit spot ups, you know, kind of attack closeouts, make at least scheme passes, defend one through four, just the definition of solid. I would love to see Colba uh, here. I also, I feel like I just bring up the same two guys on every single one because I love them for literally every single team. But, uh, you know, Kobe Bufkin, can't go wrong with with the Buff Master. Uh, you know, off on and off ball player, you know, can really defend, can really like slot in with different lineups well. And that's for these teams that are kind of in a weird spot. I think just getting more guys like that who can come in, give you, you know, lineup versatility, at least give you something during the regular season of their rookie year. And maybe in a few years, they're a playoff rotation guy. Um, I think that's something that I'd really value for a team that just feels like they have nothing outside of their top guys, like the Suns does. Suns do. Yeah. Stone? Um, yeah. There's only one name that comes to mind at this point um, because you guys have taken a lot of them. Um, But I'm going to go with Chris Murray here. Um, I don't think we've brought up on the pod yet, but I do think he makes a lot of sense with the Suns. Uh, I'm not even like the highest Chris Murray guy. He's like in my late first. Um, But I think that uh, having another guy that um, is fine defensively, like I think that's the conclusion I came to. He's just passable and isn't going to hurt you a ton uh but can really do a lot on offense not like he's uh, elite at really anything but he's good enough to not hurt you in any way and someone you could probably feel comfortable with playing rotation minutes in the playoffs uh and the suns have been looking for a power forward for forever obviously they got the best one in the league with durant um but i think this allows you more backup options as well as playing bigger lineups with them together. So um, that's probably the the one name that we haven't mentioned, I think, that I would maybe look at if I were a Suns fan. I got a few more names to, to float out, just because I think that we're talking about a pretty wide range here. And I also think there's you can definitely go for that, like, win now, like, help us early type guy, fill a role early. And I think there's some value to that, but I also think that's oftentimes a fraught idea. And I want to talk about just in general, like some good value guys I'd like here. So one guy I think is really interesting would be a Ricky Council Jr. Uh, or not Jr. The fourth, Ricky Council the fourth. Excuse me, uh, I was too I was too behind. Um, he is just like what he will provide immediately is just someone who is like an uber athlete, and this team really lacks that type of athleticism outside of Josh Kogi. Uh, I think he can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, I, I I I just think like. You put him in when guys are down. Obviously, like Kevin Durant is not going to play 70 games next year, right? You're going to have to get other guys who can shot create a little bit next to Devin Booker. And will Council do that immediately? I don't know. But he's a bet to do that early in his career, I think, and and, and a bet I'd be willing to take. Two other guys that I think are, are interesting to note here, and, and you're going to hear them for a, for a team like the Suns who are ready to compete, and people are going to think that's crazy, but Leonard Miller – and Bobby Clintman to me are, are two guys who I'd be interested in just because Stone mentioned they need a power forward. I really like Leonard Miller. I'm, I'm lower on Bobby than some, but higher on him than Stone and Coop, obviously. 
Um, and I think that Miller is like a long-term upside piece, right? Someone who needs some work on his rotational defense, needs some work on the shot, but he can put the ball on the ground. I think he could potentially develop into a tertiary secondary shot creator type guy while also being a good role man doing some of that stuff. Clintman, I don't, I, I actually think like there's a world he contributes more early than people realize just because a 6'10 guy who moves like that is worthwhile. Like I, I, I think he can hit open quarter threes and, and like provide energy and play well defensively. Stone doesn't like him at all, but I, I think he's interesting. Damon, do you have any thoughts on, on that group of guys or, or anyone we talked about? And if you kind of had to pick like one who you, who would be your favorite, like who would that be? Well, so I had kind of figured that Leonard Miller would be a bit too rich for that range. Um, I have had him in my lottery all year long, but I also have a terrible gauge of where NBA teams are at with certain guys. Um, I do really love, love, love Leonard Miller as a prospect in general, and I would love him also on the Suns. Um, It comes down to some of it, you know, this harkens back to uh, Kobe Bufkin, too, and Chris Murray. But this al- idea of being able to alternate between, um, instead of just guys who can fit alongside Devin Booker and Durant, um, guys who can fill in for those guys when they're not playing and the offense doesn't skip too, too much of a beat. Obviously, you're going from top five in the league to, you know, rookies, but guys who can come in and do some of those same things while also providing value while they're not the only ones out there if that gets the point across. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like, there's a, a there's a lot of names I could throw out there, right? Like City Sissoko, I think makes some sense here. Like, I, I think the general gist is go after some wings, go after guys who can, everyone we named is a two or a three or a four because that's what this team needs. Like, like we talked about options, options in the playoffs. The teams that have the most options are the teams that have the most two, threes, and fours. And we've seen that consistently. Um, so I, I think that's a really valuable idea. Let's talk about pick 52. And then like, we can kind of tie that in with UDFAs because that's basically the same group, right? Like UDFAs and, and, and pick 52. Usually once you get past 45 to 50 in a dra- uh, draft, there's only like one or two more real picks left to be had. And every other pick that gets made in that range is a team taking someone who they don't even want to give a two way. Like you th- I, I'll never forget that Nets draft where they took Raekwon Gray and Marcus Zagorowski at like 51 and 57. And I'm like, those are two awesome picks. And then neither even got a two way both got just put stashed in their G league. And I think that was like the most sobering moment for me where I was like, Oh Yeah picks this late don't matter so Damon I'll throw this back to you who are some guys who you think will fall to 52 or or even more likely to undrafted free agency that you would like the Suns to add as like a as one of their three two ways yeah so I have my eye on a couple of the Creighton front court guys and I'm not 100% sure whether they're still in the draft but Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Cockbrenner are the two that I'm thinking about most um they just offer a lot, respectively. You know, Kaluma's got more of a versatile game where he can play the four, or in some cases, I think he'll play some small ball five. But he's got real skill with the ball in his hands for his size. And Cockbrenner's more of like that uh, modern, 
version of a traditional big where he's down protecting the paint and rolling hard and playmaking for others when the defense collapses. And I just think that when you add, when you're at a spot like 52, you one one of the two avenues for me, you can either take a swing, an upside swing, so to speak, or you can go more of like the guys who have one or two concrete skills. And I think both of those guys fall into that category. Yeah, those are interesting names for sure. Coop, uh, who, who stands out to you in this range? Uh, well, obviously, Boo Booey in this range is someone who I really love. Uh, sorry, inside joke. Uh, I One of my big problems watching the Suns was, like, I, I get it. You have the best shot makers of all time and, and all this stuff on your team. Uh, just get somebody who can go grab a goddamn rebound. It pissed me off so bad. Like, oh, great, we have Terrence Ross as our complimentary piece to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Like, what are we doing? Uh, someone who I don't super love, but I think I love his energy, and I think the rebounding could be really funky. I, I think Naquan Tomlin, if he stays in uh, from K-State, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about his skill level, but he tries hard, and he runs up and down the floor, and he's going to grab boards, and he can at least give you something there. Um, and I mean, other than him in that late second round, I mean, if F.A. Aboogity, I think I got that right. Uh, I keep on wanting to say, uh, Abogidi, but I I think just somebody who can give you a different look, really hustle on the boards, has good touch, can kind of stretch the floor. Um, you know, I, I think you can play different roles with different lineups and, you know, just kick butt and I, he tries really hard and has really good touch on rebounds, like taps into his teammates. Well, uh, just somebody who can do something that they like don't have on the roster currently. I think both of those guys, even if you don't love them, like bring something that they don't currently have. Um. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks to Cooper for sending my answer with the last pick, but I'm going to go with Terrence Shannon jr. Obviously uh, because uh, I think he's just like a very good basketball player like he's going to give it to you defensively um on the perimeter and i think uh can get downhill uh, and shoot at a reasonable clip as a spot up guy um so obviously my favorite undrafted guy but the other guy I had in mind i don't know if he stays in this draft or not and if he's got a chance of going undrafted probably not but jordan walsh um would be the other name i'd have here uh, again, he, he might not be in the draft if this is sort of a, a reasonable range that he might go. But um, if it is the case, I mean, I think you're getting like a hell of a defensive player who can uh, guard multiple positions, uh, can bring it as a rebounder, as Cooper said. Um, and I think there's some untapped, obviously offense is the concern for a lot of people right now, but I do think that there's, potential for him to be like a, a pretty good contributor in multiple aspects as a passer uh, and not be like a terrible shooter. So I I'd really like that pick again. I don't know how fair it is that that might happen, but it would be a, a home run. I think for the Suns if it were somebody else, I'm just going to hop in for one last guy who just sprung to mind uh, cliff over out of uh, out of Rutgers, just tough, really fights can really dunk the ball. Uh, I mean, 
just can do all of the big man stuff is a really good athlete. Uh, he kind of gets slept on a little bit. I think I, I'm his biggest fan on the entire planet and I would love to see him uh, go to Phoenix. Yeah. So I'll shout out a couple guys. Dylan Jones to me. Uh, I think he's actually pretty similar to Kaluma. I just prefer him a little bit because I think he's a stronger, better rebounder. I would mention this team des- desperately needs rebounding. Um, I'm, I'm also going to shout out Craig Porter Jr. here. This is a weird one, but I do want to see him get a shot. Just a really athletic guard who competes defensively. When you're talking about like guys who are going to fit with the Suns, you don't need guards who are set up point guards or anything like that. You just got someone who can hit some open shots, is going to really, really compete defensively. I think Porter could be that guy now. You know, is he a necess- is he necessarily going to be an NBA player? It's hard to say, but that's kind of where I'm at. There's a good little chunk of names there. Obviously, in undrafted free agency, like a ton of different guys could go. Colin Castleton could be a guy here. Like it's it's always hard to say once you get this deep into a draft who's going to be there. It's just kind of about falling in love. Like who is this front office going to fall in love with? And I tend to not be mad at many undrafted pickups because if the fit makes some sense, then I, I think they're doing their job. Um, let's talk about best worst case scenario. And instead of just doing the draft, because the worst case scenario of the draft is just, they don't trade into the first round and then they draft a shitty player at 52. Like, yeah. She or, or, um, I'm trying to think of like, who's this year's Philip Petrusev. Like that's like, that's the Pretty general. Timmy. That, that, like I have Timmy, yeah. Timmy beat out Petrusev at the very least, but no, like I, that general vibe. Let's just say, talk about, worst best case scenario for this offseason as a whole because i think they're pretty stark for a team like the suns when you're at the top like the suns in some ways are the difference between worst and best is very very tight so damon what's the worst case scenario for this offseason uh doc rivers um and then shibwe would be the worst case scenario plus keeping chris paul i truthfully I'm ready to be done with that era. Um, I think we've seen, if not this past season, then the season before, he's just not someone that you can rely on when you get into April and May. And so I'd just rather rely on somebody else, even if it ends up being someone like maybe an Aiton to Charlotte trade happens and they get back Terry Rozier. I'd be more into starting the season with Terry Rozier as my starting point guard and then maybe looking to change it at the trade deadline or see what you can find. Maybe a, a rookie that they draft ends up developing well over the course of the season and he can end up starting. But I just am ready to be done with the Chris Paul era and I don't want to retread the same issues that we just had with Monty Williams where you're not adjusting and you're not communicating well with your players. So... Doc Rivers a no for me. I I think that's I think that's right in line. I would say Doc Rivers is the worst case scenario hire for any of these good teams. I would say like he's proven he can't do it. Like how long can he ride that 2008 championship, man? Um, but you know it it is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's all fair. What's let's end this on a positive note. What is like the best case scenario? What do you think the Suns can do because? If they hit, like, if they have a best-case scenario, they should be championship favorites. What does that best-case scenario look like? Um, You get Lou or Nurse as your head coach. 
And then um, in the draft, you trade up, you you turn DeAndre Ayton into the third pick, um, and you get Scoot Henderson somehow. No, I'm just kidding. The 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 real best case scenario would be, you know, finding a guy like a Podzimski who can really be a short term answer in some ways as well as a long term answer in others, and then you move forward. You end up dealing Paul and Ayton. And you get people who can play in the playoffs. We've we've had this really low bar of just can you play minutes in the playoffs that we're searching for in those trades. So, you know, that's that's what you're hoping to get. Or could you give me like a couple names of like playoff caliber guys you'd be interested in that you think are I, realistic? I did see Josh Green mentioned in the Mavs rumor that floated out there I'd really appreciate getting someone like Josh Green where you're getting you know kind of similar to what I mentioned about Pudzinski you're getting someone who is a short-term answer in some areas and a long-term answer in others because Josh Green has had a lot of those on-ball development flashes in the past year or two Jason Kidd is just not the best player to or the best coach to play for when you're a young player and so I think that he's being hindered by that and maybe wouldn't be hindered with someone like Lou or nurse or even Kevin young. Yeah. I'll shout out if I don't know how real this is, but if you could do a, you know, Deandre Ayton for, for Josh green and 10 and then draft, like, so you get Josh green and then you also draft like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to really say any of the shooting wings, right. Any of Bryce Sensabaugh, Grady Dick, Kassan oh, I Wallace. love Kaysen Wallace there, by yeah, the way. Kaysen Wallace. That's like, all of a sudden, that's one trade. You're adding a really great defensive backcourt who can play next to KD and Devin Booker on both ends. That's exactly what you want. I think that would be uh, a dream scenario. Um, Damon, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, for taking the time out. This has been an excellent podcast, an excellent breakdown of a hard team to break down. The Suns are one of the more difficult teams to talk about. So thanks again. Let the people know where they can find all your great work. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at I am Damon Allred. Um, you can see my stuff at bright side of the sun uh, where I cover the suns at large and then Detroit bad boys where I do mainly draft stuff for the Pistons. I also wrote something about Monty for them just with that sun's angle, but obviously it didn't end up working out for them. seems like. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that's about it. Um, the, I've been doing the game recaps for SB nation um, NBA site. So that's pretty good as well. Yeah. Lots of great stuff. You do lots of great stuff and and you have my favorite Twitter ad of just about anyone. Um, I am Damon Allred is, is just, it's just magic. Uh, it's almost as I good as, am. <laughs> it's almost as good as Ali underscore, underscore, uh, not, not quite, the, but, uh, no, this was great. Again, we can't thank Damon enough, uh, for Coop at Ali underscore, underscore, underscore Coop for stone out report underscore court. I'm at Bryce Hunter 14. Give us a like rating review. Check out the website, check out all of Damon's work. It'll all be linked down below, including a, breakdown of potential trade options in the draft uh he does some great stuff for the bright side of the sun so yeah this has been the upside swings to be a draft podcast we open our ceiling thank you
We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.